Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Friday. It's July 7, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Important discussions going on every day here on this program and across the network. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the Supreme Court decisions that came out last week right before the big 4th of July holiday weekend, the extended weekend. So we did not have much of a chance to discuss them with a few mentions maybe of the decisions that came out toward the middle of the week in the news. But other than that, we didn't give much attention to it because obviously it was the extended holiday weekend. But we have an expert that will be joining us after the news segment this morning, Erin Mercino with the Thomas More Law Center. She's amazing, incredible attorney, very knowledgeable in all things Supreme Court. And we're going to break down all of these decisions that came down, these big ones, including the First Amendment issue regarding the man or actually the woman in Colorado who has a web company and she did not want to design a website for same-sex couples. She won her case. Religious freedom. The man who did not want to work on Sundays because he said it was against his faith. That went all the way, obviously, to the high court, and he won that case. And then the decision regarding the Biden student loan to wipe out student loans. Of course, that went against the administration. And then, of course, affirmative action. We'll take a look at all of these decisions with attorney Aaron Messino from the Thomas More Law Center. And then, as we discussed yesterday with the director of the new movie, Sound of Freedom, this weekend is incredibly important. He told us yesterday that if we can pack the theaters as we have been this past few days since it opened on July 4th and is now the best grossing film that's out there currently, beating out the new Indiana Jones movie, by the way, if we can keep this film very popular and bring in more people to see it this weekend, it will stay in the theaters even longer. But I also want to focus on something else that's happening. There is a media blackout, a secular media blackout for the most part on this film. Why is that? What's going on? I was just doing some research with that in mind and finding various articles, and I found a very compelling piece by a Jewish writer from a website talking about that this should not be the case, this shouldn't be a political or looked at as a religious issue. This is a human rights issue, which of course for us as people of faith is important. But overall, this is about one of the biggest problems we have, not only in the country, but in the world. And the media should be all over this. But there's a couple of reasons why they're not covering it. Maybe you've thought about it already, maybe not. We'll take a look at that for our Fact Check Friday and also revisit a clip from the interview we did with the director yesterday. And I think you'll enjoy it. Our chief operating officer and president of the network, Doug Keck, has a day off today. He'll be with us again next week on a Friday for the inside word about all the great programming this summer for EWTN. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN right now with a few minutes after the hour. Let's check the weather. We've got some issues coming up, additional rounds of severe weather with heavy rainfall and flash flooding chances persisting across the central plains through today and reaching into the mid-Mississippi Valley by tomorrow and hot weather continuing over the interior Pacific while excessive heat warnings and critical fire risk remain in other parts of the country, including Arizona. Right now, let's check the news. It's a Friday morning, and you're listening to EWTN. 
The Vatican is reporting that Pope Francis is set to visit the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima for the second time of his pontificate, where three shepherd children, of course, received a message back in May of 1917 from the Blessed Mother concerning the future of humanity. The brief visit, which will take place on August 5th via helicopter, added to the Holy Father's pilgrimage to Portugal, which originally included only events in Lisbon for World Youth Day. Back in May of 2017, on the 100th anniversary, the Holy Father had already traveled to the Marian Shrine to canonize Francisco and Jacinta Marto, the two young visionaries. The fact that he has decided to return to the feet of Our Lady of Fatima holds significance and reflects the Holy Father's intention to address the tragic war afflicting martyred Ukraine, attacked by the Russian army, as well as numerous forgotten conflicts, he says, around the world. An attempted break-in at one of San Antonio's historic missions is being investigated. Someone tried to force their way into Mission San Jose. The National Park Service say the church's historic rose window was damaged. It was created back in 1775 and, according to their website, is considered to be one of the best examples of Baroque architecture in North America. The test to become a U.S. citizen is getting an upgrade. There will be a speaking section to assess English skills, and that's not sitting well with some immigration advocates. It's a little bit of a solution in search of a problem. We've had an English language test as part of the citizenship and naturalization process for many years. Immigration attorney Jonathan Ryan says a speaking portion will be done in front of a government official. That could trigger some refugees who are fleeing brutal dictatorships. An officer would show the migrants photos and demand that they be described. This on top of an interview about personal questions. Trey Thomas tells us conservative activists are sounding the alarm about a surge of Chinese migrants crossing from Mexico into the state of Texas. Curtis Collier is with the group U.S. Border Watch. When we find people spying for the Chinese government who legally came into this country all the time, how many is coming in as spying that came in illegally? Roughly 9,700 illegal immigrants from the People's Republic of China have been caught during the first seven months of the fiscal year. I'm Trey Thomas. Heavy rainfall and flash flooding risks threaten the Central Plains through today. High temps could make life miserable in areas from the southwest to the Pacific Northwest. The National Weather Service also says there's a possibility of severe storms and tornadoes in the High Plains today and tomorrow with large hail. The small bag of cocaine found at the White House will now be tested for DNA and fingerprints. Reporter Kelly O'Donnell says the investigation is looking into the West executive entrance. The fact that it's close to the Situation Room is certainly uh, notable. We had earlier been told that it was one level above and also a lobby area in the West Wing, closer to where the Oval Office is. That's according to NBC News, which also noted the investigation could be completed by Monday. On Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre telling reporters it was found in a heavily traveled area where many West Wing visitors walked through. Officials say it's possible there may be no resolution in the investigation. They're also reviewing security camera footage from the area where the small bag of cocaine was found. Former Vice President Mike Pence defending his decision to certify the 2020 presidential election results following the Capitol riot. The Constitution affords no authority for the Vice President or anyone else to reject votes or return votes to the states. Never been done before, should never be done in the future. While on the campaign trail in Sioux City, Iowa this week, a woman questioned Pence, claiming he had the constitutional power to block the certification of electoral college results and prevent Joe Biden from becoming president. Pence disputed her claim, saying the Constitution is clear that he did not have the power to do so. He also said no vice president in American history has ever asserted that authority and never should. 
There's been a shocking twist in the investigation into a missing Texas teen who was found alive after vanishing eight years ago. Houston police say that Rudy Farias was living with his mother the whole time, and she was keeping him hidden using a fake name. Both Janie, Rudy's mother, and Rudy himself gave fictitious names while interacting with various patrol officers. Lieutenant Christopher Zamora said they don't know why the pair lied to police, but they deny reports there were drugs and sexual abuse in the home. The mother could face a misdemeanor charge for lying about a missing persons case. And the number of Americans asking for first-time unemployment benefits is up. The Labor Department saying yesterday it received 248,000 requests for the week that ended July 1st. That's up 12,000 from the earlier week, but it's not too far off from what most analysts have been expecting. The thinking was that the number would be right around 245,000. Aaron Rial tells us Ben and Jerry's is facing calls for a boycott after tweeting that the U.S. should, quote, commit to returning stolen indigenous land. Ben and Jerry's ice cream brand sparked outrage on social media by publishing a Twitter post with an image reading, quote, the United States was founded on stolen indigenous land this 4th of July. Let's commit to returning it. The message generated a flood of negative responses on social media, with some calling it the company's, quote, Bud Light moment. It's not the first time that Ben and Jerry's has faced boycott calls and controversy. On its website, Ben and Jerry's says its social mission is to eliminate injustices in our communities. And what's being called the world's largest video screen is lighting up Las Vegas. The Sphere is new entertainment arena under construction near the Las Vegas Strip and is covered with a 580,000 square foot LED screen. On July 4th, a giant dome-shaped building lit up and showed a welcome message that read, Hello World, followed by animations of fireworks and stars and stripes. A Los Angeles couple celebrated Independence Day with their own fireworks by welcoming quadruplets four on the 4th. Sarah Kahan and Jay Godovich are thrilled for their quad squad of two boys and two girls. I don't even know how to think about this yet. We don't know how to process. I feel like I'm crazy on adrenaline, and so things have been great. And Sarah says that the number four now has new meaning in the family's life. My sister was grabbing us stuff in the grocery store, and the total was 44, 44. So I don't know what we're supposed to be getting from this number four, but it's something I don't know. The contractions for Sarah started on Monday night, so the doctor, the director of Los Angeles Fetal and Maternal Care Center at Cedars-Sinai, called in the team, 40 staff members from labor and delivery, and four different NICU teams were there to make sure mom and each baby were well taken care of. The babies were delivered at 34 weeks, each weighing more than four pounds. The quad squad is now still in the NICU, and each member is doing well. Doctors say it could be another couple of weeks before they go home with their parents. Congratulations and what a nice, nice blessing on the 4th of July. We'll be right back on a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection. Divine Intimacy Radio. The greatest joy in my life is helping others to come to know Christ more fully. And there's no better light on this path, the path to deep union with God, than the wisdom of the saints. Talking about this daily on EWTN Radio is one of the great joys of my life. Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. 
You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Some very important decisions came down from the high court last week, and we briefly mentioned them, the ones that came out before Friday, but it's been a a very busy holiday weekend, of course, and now that we're uh, a week out, I thought it would be great to sit down and talk with an expert, a dear friend of mine and an amazing attorney, Aaron Mercino, Chief of Supreme Court and Appellate Practice at the Thomas More Law Center in southeastern Michigan. So we had four major decisions that came out recently from the Supreme Court, and they were pretty big cases. Of course, now the left and the media are claiming it's a very unusual court and we need to stack the court. And whenever they get a decision that kind of goes in their favor, it's the best thing since sliced bread. But the minute the court rules against their agendas, then, okay, all bets are off. Now, Aaron, let's start with the two cases that I think we're paying a lot of attention to. All of them are, are very important, but in particular, the man who took his case all the way to Supreme Court, the postal worker who said his religion precluded him from working on Sunday, he won. He won his case. Your thoughts. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you, Teresa. Um, this is a tremendous victory for religious liberty. So before this case, Groff versus DeJoy, 87% of religious accommodations were denied by their employer. And the reason that they were denied is that the legal standard that the employer had to prove was lower than any other discrimination statute throughout all of our our fabric of our, our federal statutes <laughs> when we're addressing discrimination. Um, so it replaced what was called the de minimis standard, which is basically it just the employer had to prove very little, with something that's now called the substantial cost standard. So this puts it on par with all of the other discrimination statutes um, throughout federal law. And it was a 9-0 unanimous decision, which goes to show, you know, how wrong religious discrimination claims um, had been processed throughout, you know, the last almost 50 years. Were you surprised by the decision in terms of uh, the 9-0 vote? I was. Um, I, From the oral argument, I thought that it could have been a 6-3 decision, but um, I was very relieved and really this wonderful holding and that it was unanimous and that all of the justices recognized um, just how horrible the standard had been. And so I, I hope that this is great uh, comfort to, to all employees who are people of faith that when they request an accommodation, now the employer would have to show that not accommodating 
a person of faith would inflict some sort of substantial cost upon the employer, which is a much, much higher burden. So this is really important in regards to religious freedom for, for a number of people, not just Christians, right? Other other faith groups as well. Absolutely. Um, all faith groups. And I think that it, it makes, um, before it was just kind of like a, a standard where um, we didn't know if it was con- conduct that um, the employer had to change. We didn't know if it was something that was really kind of more monetized in here. Um, in the holding, Justice Alito was very clear that it is something that the employer has to show is money-related. So it would be very expensive to um, to accommodate the religious belief, which I think is a high hurdle. And um, it, I think the holding just really clarified a number of questions that throughout the years had caused really great injustice upon people of faith. This number of 87%, that's extremely high, is it not, in terms of, of how this impacted people prior to this recent decision? Absolutely. That's extremely high for something that's protected by federal law, um, something that's protected by an anti-discrimination statute. That's extremely high. And I think that we saw this you know, play out um, during the COVID epidemic when people were looking for religious accommodations, um, you know, from the vaccine and, and things like this, how, how quickly they were denied um, any sort of accommodation without much explanation at all. So what do you think the, the positive fallout from this can be in, in the immediate sense in terms of so many people that were discriminated against because of their choices regarding the vaccine and whatnot? Could they, under this new agreement, come back and, and ask for some sort of compensation or for a situation to be corrected? Could they cite this case? Um, certainly. So the cases that are pending in court now, they can certainly cite this case as um, you know, a new precedent that helps support their religious accommodation discrimination claim. Um, so, yes, it has an immediate positive impact. We're talking with Attorney Erin Messino, the Chief of Supreme Court and Appellate Practice of the Thomas More Law Center in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area, right in our own backyard, very close to us here at Domino's Farms, talking about the recent Supreme Court decisions. Okay, another big case, which I guess you could say is both religious freedom and the First Amendment, especially where it comes with expressive uh, rights. A woman in Colorado, she was a web designer, and she welcomed all people, but she just said, I will not design a website for so-called same-sex weddings went all the way to the Supreme Court, and she won as well. She did. This is monumental because we've been looking at this um, conflict between these anti-discrimination statutes that protect um, classifications such as you know, same-sex attraction and First Amendment freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of religious liberty, and how these have conflicted for so many years. I mean, the Masterpiece Cake Shop case that went right. to the United States Supreme Court back in 2018, and it's just a reoccurring problem. Um, so this was a really just a monumental holding. Um, one of my favorite lines from the holding by Justice Gorsuch is that the First Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. And I think that that is such a, a wonderful um, kind of summary of what this case does. It protects individuals from compelled speech, which is really what the First Amendment was always supposed to protect. Um, And it's not someone's right to force someone to affirm their lifestyle. It's not someone's right to force someone to speak in violation of their religious beliefs. And how wonderful to have that holding finally 
um, by the Supreme Court. Now, there have been a lot of reports. I'm looking at some headlines, and I'm sure you're familiar with them. For example, this is NBC News, not exactly a balanced network, but I'll, I'll read the headline anyway. And they have the word sham in quotes. Sham website customer likely did not affect Supreme Court ruling on same-sex weddings, experts say. They're claiming, uh, some who are against this decision, are claiming that there was a sham website customer, meaning they made it up in order to bring this to the court. And you've heard about that. Your thoughts on what they're saying there. Yes, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is ridiculous. So this case was decided on stipulated facts. So both the plaintiff and the defense decided that, yes, these facts are true and submitted those facts to the court. So if they're saying that it's a sham, then I guess it's a sham on behalf of the state of Colorado because they represented to the court that these were agreed upon facts. Um, But this is also a pre-enforcement challenge, meaning that the website designer didn't need to show that she had been contacted by anyone to set the law was in place and she would be contacted by someone. And when she would be contacted by someone, then she would be prosecuted by Colorado's anti-discrimination agency, which we know has prosecuted many people in the past, including Jack Phillips himself, who was the cake designer in Masterpiece Cake Shop. So there's no dispute um, and it's really a manufactured story. I don't know. A manufactured to story to benefit a certain <laughs> agenda? I'm shocked, I tell you, shocked that there's gambling in this establishment. Sorry. Yes, me. and it's really ridiculous because anyone who has looked at the case um, sees that there was a stipulated facts case. So the facts were not even at issue by either of the parties. It's It's really amazing. Yeah. Again, it's just, I think it's just so interesting how this is all unfolding. You know, one thing before we take a break that I think is so powerful, and I thought about this because these decisions obviously coming out, as they always do at the end of June and so close close to the 4th of July, the way our founding fathers, with the guidance of God, founded this country in terms of the system of checks and balances, Aaron, it's so obvious yeah. that this many of these cases, this, the last two cases we were talking about for more of a First Amendment and religious freedom aspect, the overreach of the federal government, and we see the overreach, we'll talk about that next and after the break with the Obama administration and the student loans and this whole situation with affirmative action, how out of control that situation was. This is the way the different branches of government are supposed to work, correct? Correct, absolutely. When one branch exceeds their authority, there's supposed to be the checks and balances, and I think that we're seeing this played out, which is such a, a wonderful thing to see it played out as it should be. How do you think this is going to impact, uh, for example, um, other other cases with fir- First Amendment rights? The case of Jack Phillips, where does that stand right now? Because he went all the way to the Supreme Court as well, didn't he not? Did he not? He, he did um, on cake to celebrate a same-sex wedding, and then he received, you know, complaint after complaint after that. So the most recent was back in just this January, January 2023. Um, He lost an appeal in Colorado having to do with someone trying to force him to make a cake for gender reassignment surgery to celebrate it. So certainly this case will help him because it's finally a clear answer um, as to what protections First Amendment, the First Amendment liberties have against compelled speech. 
Because I think it can be a little bit confusing because once you get to the Supreme Court, people think, okay, that's over. But then again, for example, with Roe v. Wade, we were able to bring the case of Dobbs you know, versus uh, Jackson Women's Health to the Supreme Court, and then it was overturned. So there's, could this, is this pretty much done now, though, in terms of these other cases, unless something else comes along and someone else challenges the decision, for example, of the woman website designer? Um, well, it's, it's done for now. Um, it's yeah. a 6-3 decision. And I think that's why you hear all of these, um, you know, threats from people wanting to stack the court and change the makeup of the court to try to, you know, reach a certain result that's different than these cases. But I would hope that the First Amendment is, I mean, the, the precedent is so clear and so rich. And um, I mean, this has been the precedent since the First Amendment was ratified in 1791. The government right. should not be forcing individuals to adopt certain viewpoints, especially um, in matters that are so important to the heart, such as religion and politics and, and things that really um, have just always been since time immemorial protected by the First Amendment. So you'd hope that in the end, um, justices would follow you know, the law, the law of the Constitution. Yeah, it, to me, I just think, again, uh, I, I was really thinking and praying about this of the 4th of July, because we think of our country, it's just an, an, an incredible country with that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and I really believe God guiding those men and, and really saying, no, this is what you need, and it goes back to the human person, the dignity of the human person, and balance. You know, the church and our God, he's all about balance, Aaron. I agree. I agree. And how amazing that we're so blessed to live in our country. Yes. And to have, you know, these protections and have First Amendment liberty is such a tremendous blessing. And despite all the issues, when you come right down to it, the way we were designed by God and the Founding Fathers, it does work if we allow it to. More with Aaron Mercino regarding the recent Supreme Court decisions. We'll take a look at affirmative action and the student loan debt forgiveness plan when we come back. On a Friday. Stay tuned. Are mobile phones dangerous? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our phones have become an extension of our physical bodies, and they emit radiation. Where you routinely place, hold, or store your phone on your body is critical. Energy emitted from radio frequency exposure can be absorbed by the body and potentially harmful. Apple recommends customers using its latest iPhones try the hands-free options like built-in speaker phones and headphones to reduce exposure. Android-type phones top the list of phones giving off the most radiation. Keep all brands of phones away from your ear and head when possible. Men should store a phone in a pant pocket. Women should keep their phone in a purse, pant pocket, but not in their bra. I didn't know this was a thing. Practice social distancing from phones. Like fasting from food, maybe it's time for a digital detox. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent. To Christ present in the Eucharist. To Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band. And I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church. And I was just a child. But I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? 
I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Such an informative conversation with our friend Aaron Racino, an amazing attorney, chief of Supreme Court and appellate practice at Thomas More Law Center in southeastern Michigan, talking about all the Supreme Court decisions that came out recently before the break. If you were listening, we discussed the issue of the worker, the postal worker who won his case at the Supreme Court, saying he could not work on Sundays because of his Christian beliefs. And then the First Amendment, I would say also a religious freedom case in many ways out of Colorado, where a woman who has a web design company did not want to design a website for a same-sex wedding. And those were victorious, both those decisions. And now, Aaron, let's look at the affirmative action case. That one has, has really taken off in terms of the left, um, you know, going all out to attack those who were supporting this and the justices. Uh, affirmative action, though, goes really against what Dr. Martin Luther King said about how people should not be judged by the color of their skin. It does, and I've been so touched recently by the words of Dr. Alveda King um, Mm -hmm. when she describes there's one race, there's the human race, and it's this um, amazing viewpoint on life that really should be how we all see the world. And I mean, that's that's recognizing the human dignity in, in each other. So let's talk about the basis. I'm sorry. Um, Let's talk about the basis of the uh, affirmative action case. Who brought who brought this case originally? Um, So this is a case where it was a group of people of Asian descent, um, and they should be qualified to be admitted into Harvard, but they were not because of different um, policies that Harvard has for affirmative action. And it was a 14th Amendment claim, Equal Protection Clause, um, and an amazing decision by Justice Thomas, um, 6-3 decision. And essentially, his, I, don't, I, I don't know if you've read his biography. Um, it, so he, Justice Thomas, has such um, an extraordinary story. He, he really came from extreme poverty. He grew up in a household where his mother raised him and he always had questions about, you know, he went to Holy Cross and he went to Yale and he was, you know, just the highest level of educational institutions you could, you know, go to and be accepted at. And he always had questions if people thought he was there because of his skin color. Um, so really astounding story where he faced, racial discrimination personally and he's the author of this decision which is really just extraordinary his viewpoint on life um but the the gist of the holding is that harvard should not um kind of stack the deck for certain um in applicants because of their skin color and harvard now is trying to say okay we're going to find some sort of loophole to get out of this holding can they do that? Would they be able to do that? I'm sure they'll try. And they're trying. I, to... I don't think. 
Go ahead. The, Go ahead. The, oh, the decision from from the Supreme Court, um, in accordance with the 14th Amendment, I think is, is clear what they should do, what they're morally obligated to do to follow the court's holding. But I thought it was kind of slimy for them to come out and have their their public statement be, oh, we're going to try to find a loophole, a loophole to not follow the spirit of the law of what the Supreme Court just decided. It's just so, to me, it's very sad. Clarence Thomas is such a great example for all of us in terms of really working hard and, and doing what God calls you to do. And he just did what needed to be done, Then he worked hard at it. And, you know, Tim Scott, who's running for, for president on the GOP ticket, is is feeling that same heat where even people, uh, other African-Americans are attacking him. And, of course, you have people like Joy Behar and, and Whoopi Goldberg on The View, not that they're experts at anything, but, you know, really going after him and saying, well, he's one of those Clarence Thomas types. So I would think that would be a good thing. Yeah, I, I'm amazed. I can't believe the way that he's being attacked to have him saying, you know, I want to spread the message of I'm not the exception. I'm what should be, you know, and they're right. attacking him and saying, no, you are the exception. You know, he's spreading this hopeful message of, you know, demand more, not less. Everyone should be respected. Everyone has human dignity made in the image and likeness of God. And that's something to be celebrated. And you know, again, it's just categorizing people by certain characteristics which is divisive. And that really is discrimination when you're only looking at their skin color, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what, especially what the petitioners thought. Um, they did not want to be demoted. They did not want to not be considered for our nation's, you know, preeminent university because they were Asian. So to them, when they were applying to Harvard, it was a knock against them because they checked the box that they were Asian, which is, is certainly discriminatory toward them. Yeah. All right, last but not least, the student loans. Now, even Nancy Pelosi, and, and this has actually been brought back, and, and she's been reminded of it by, by, by many people uh, who are against this whole executive order, that, that the president could not do what he did, that actually she said beforehand, this is something that had, when she was still the um, uh, U.S. House Speaker, that this is something that had to go through Congress, but he did not do that, and it was overreach. It, it certainly was. And President Biden even said that he couldn't do it before he did it. <laughs> he said, I, I don't have the authority to do that. And but I'm going to do it anyway. Here, here we go. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now, um, you know, making these calls of, you know, we got to do something. Well, Congress is the entity to do something like this. I mean, this is such an extreme overreach of executive power. It's It's really mind boggling. Um, just with the stroke of a pen, um, you know, canceling out $430 billion of student loan debt, that's more power than just one member of the executive should have. So, yes, this was an amazing story of governmental overreach. Well, it seemed like at the time that this is an effort to get votes. And that's my personal opinion. You know, I could be wrong, but it's like, okay, let's just do this. And every, it, it, you know, every, everybody will like me because I'm forgiving their debt. Yes, I think that that's certainly, it was a, a political move, and it's something, again, where we were talking about the checks and balances um, mm -hmm. of our Constitution, and I think that this is just one of those examples that the executive does not have total and complete authority over all of federal law, which is, is really what he was trying to do here. I mean, this yeah. is, I think this is the most extreme um, largest example of government overreach 
of yeah. all time. I, I think it's more than the Dreamers um, mm-hmm. Act with, you know, President Obama with his cell phone and his pen. I mean, this is way more extreme than that. This is clearly something that must go through Congress, um, both houses of the Congress, and then could be vetoed by the president. It's not something that the president can just do on his own. At the end of the day, though, Aaron, when you look at all these different cases, four major cases and four victories to those of us very concerned about religious freedom and First Amendment rights and governments and checks and balance system that we have, it really is these cases are common sense. None of them is, is really extreme in terms of what we should be doing. I think it's a commentary that these cases have to go all the way to the Supreme Court um, right now in our society in order to get justice. I mean, that the, the fact that a person can't just create a website and they're the speaker and they can articulate speech that they agree with, that they would be forced to articulate speech that they vehemently disagree with, that violates their faith. Yeah. That that should be something that is common sense. You're right. Yeah. It shouldn't yeah. be something that we have to take to our nation's highest court. But thank God we have the system we do. Aaron, always great to catch up with Absolutely. you. Attorney Aaron Mercino from the Thomas More Law Center, Chief of Supreme Court and Appellate Practice. We'll be right back on Catholic Connections. Stay tuned. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge by acquaintance is what St. Paul's talking here. We need to increase our acquaintance of God. What can we do to increase our knowledge of God? Well, study scripture, pray fast. But here's the obvious question. Are you increasing in the knowledge of God or are you simply kind of staying stable you're living off past encounters when we speak of increasing our knowledge of God as I said you can read all the books you want about God and you'll have lots of information but it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily become acquainted with him we need to know God by acquaintance and that's what lies at the heart of all true religion Cresta in the afternoon weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. A second opinion is when a physician, other than the one currently responsible for your care, reviews your medical records and any test results in order to assess, diagnose, and recommend treatment for you. You have the right and don't need to give a reason to seek a second opinion. And many people do so to simply explore options. You may want to get a second opinion when your current physician's recommended treatment doesn't reflect your pro-life values. You want to learn about other possible treatment options and assess risk and benefits. You don't feel that the current healthcare facility is best equipped to handle the treatment. A 2017 study by the Mayo Clinic found that 88% of patients that received a second opinion had a new or refined diagnosis or treatment plan. It very well may pay to get an alternative viewpoint to ensure you get the best care possible. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. 
Welcome back to Catholic Connection. Thanks for tuning in on a Friday morning. And I wanted to give uh, a little bit more time to the movie, The Sound of Freedom, for several reasons. First of all, we need to be able, as the director said yesterday on this program, the director of the film joined us in the same segment, actually, at the same time yesterday, that we need to be able to do more than just curse the darkness. Yes, we have to speak up about the issues, but what can we do about them? And if we want to work on changing the culture, one of the ways to do that, and this is what we talk about, of course, on, on this program regularly, because that's my area of expertise, that's media and culture, is to support good things in the culture, such as the film Sound of Freedom, which just opened on Tuesday and is now number one at the box office. If you're not familiar with the film, it's based on the issue of child sex trafficking and the true story of a former Homeland Security agent, Tim Ballard, who left that job to begin his own mission, his own ministry, helping children in this huge, huge issue of human trafficking that are caught up in this and the lives that are affected. All of us are affected by this. If you're not all that familiar with the film, let's visit a trailer, the audio of the trailer, one of the trailers of the film, which again, open Tuesdays, Sound of Freedom, and you can find out more at angel.com. Take a listen. How many pedophiles you got? 288. How many kids you found? the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen it has already passed the illegal arms trade and soon it's going to pass the drug trade because you can sell a bag of cocaine one time with a child five to ten times a day god's children are not for sale how long you been doing this 12 years now how many pedophiles you got? 288. How many kids you found? Timoteo, you rescate niños, verdad? Puedes ayudarme a encontrar mi hermana? Te lo prometo. For Homeland Security, you know we can't go off rescuing Honduran kids in Colombia. Which means she'll disappear for good. Imagine walking into a room right now, seeing an empty bed. What we do? You quit your job, and you go and rescue those kids. So at this moment, she could be a block down the road, or she could be in Moscow, Bangkok, L.A. She's a major operator. It's all rebel territory. No one goes in. Not the army, not the police, not us. What if this was your daughter? There's no Marine unit coming. You're on your own. This job tears you to pieces. And this is my one chance to put those pieces back together. When God tells you what to do, So the director who was with us yesterday talked about the importance of getting to the theater this weekend. Now, the sales are through the roof on this movie. Again, as I mentioned, it's number one at the box office. And it's really surprising a lot of people, especially in Hollywood, because it's actually beating the film that they were hoping that was going to just do wonders at the box office. And that's a new Indiana Jones film starring 
well, of course, Harrison Ford. But that film is not doing nearly as well as The Sound of Freedom, which pulled in close to $14 million on opening day on Tuesday, July 4th. And so the director, Alejandro Monteverde, told us yesterday why it's important. If you haven't seen the film, maybe you can go again this weekend if you can get tickets. You can also, again, go to the website angel.com. You can also help someone buy a ticket or pay it forward. Let's listen to what the director says about how important it is to get to the theaters this weekend in particular. So you're in 2,600 plus locations now. Uh, Based on the success, is is it possible to get this into more theaters very soon, do you think? Uh, We should. I mean, if if, if this weekend, that's why it's so important this weekend. And we have, I mean, we we passed the first challenge, which was opening day, and everybody showed up, and so it was incredible. Um, And now we're going over the weekend. So if we get this the weekend, if we get strong numbers, then yes, that 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 that's the next step. Is that we 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 hope that we get more more theaters so, yeah. so we can continue to to compete because the week after we get Mission Impossible, so mm. we do need you know the, our 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 you know we're 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 David against Goliath, but our David is it's smaller, so our uh, our stone is the audience. The audience showing up and, and, and continuing to, to spread the word on the film. Even though Sound of Freedom right now, it's, it's, it's had an amazing start. We need the audiences to go and, and, and really continue to support the film so we can, we can survive. We're in the battlefield right now. Right. So right. The audience is coming to watch the movie. It's definitely the ammunition we need to continue to stay in the theaters. So the best website for ticket information, angel.com? Yes. Okay. And tickets, I know they're hard to come by. I was saying at the beginning of the interview, we tried to go see it this weekend, my husband and I, and it was sold out. But uh, in, in a way, I'm, I'm glad it was sold out. I'm disappointed I couldn't get tickets, but I want to see them sold out continuously. Thank you for having the courage to take this on. It's such an important topic. And what I think is really important is that from what I've seen in the trailers and the interviews I've done, that you pull back and look at the big picture. But we all have to remember that this is also happening you know, NIMBY, people say not in my backyard, but it is happening in their backyards, right? All over yes. America, all over the world. Yes, yes, it is happening everywhere. I mean, just look at the news every day. There is The, the sad part is that, yes, you, you, you hear the news, but there is not a follow-up. It just kind of stays and, and it gets forgotten within 24 hours. But it's it's everywhere. So if we do pack the theaters again, and it looks like it's heading in that direction, that means, as he said, that the movie will be in the theaters longer and that it will also, of course, then have an even greater impact. So let's look at the problem of human trafficking, how big it is. Now, we know they go into detail in the film on this. But looking at the statistics, I went to the State Department website. And you can just go to statedepartment.gov and look up human trafficking. It's all there. Human trafficking, also called trafficking in persons, has no place in our world as both a grave crime and a human rights abuse. It compromises national and economic security, undermines the rule of law, and harms the well-being of individuals and communities everywhere. It's a crime of exploitation. The State Department explains that traffickers profit at the expense of their victims by compelling them to perform or to engage in commercial sex in every region of the U.S. and around the world, with an estimated 27.6 million victims worldwide at any given time, human traffickers prey on people of all ages, backgrounds, and nationalities, exploiting them for their own profit. 
Now, in looking at why this movie has virtually basically had a, a blackout by the secular press, why is that? Well, I just did a search for that topic. Why are the media ignoring Sound of Freedom? And I found this very compelling piece on the Jewish Journal, jewishjournal.com. Why are the media ignoring The Sound of Freedom, a film about the child sex trade that did better than Indiana Jones? The subtitle says a journal will continue to track media coverage, cover the movie and the cause, and we hope other media outlets and social justice activists will follow. So the writer of this piece says, does the mainstream media have something against Christian-friendly entertainment companies that specialize in wholesome content? How else to explain the virtual blackout of The Sound of Freedom, a thriller that exposes a child sex trade? And according to Yahoo, is grossing, uh, this says 11 million, but as we know, it's higher than that, close to 14 million on July 4th, also beating out Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. The writer goes on to say, because the cause of child sex trade is close to my heart, I've been looking for any sign of coverage from mainstream outlets such as the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Hollywood Reporter, etc. Except for variety, I keep coming up empty. He says, as he wrote this week, the Times reviewed 65 films last month, but the writer from this Jewish journal commentary says, Sound of Freedom was not on that list. He goes on to say the film isn't even listed on a website of reviews, which usually lists pretty much everything else. So what's going on? How can such an important film that is also doing well be iced out? The short answer is that the burden of proof is not on the film. It's on the media companies. Bingo. He's absolutely right. He goes on to say, it's one thing to review a movie and pan it, but to totally ignore it. He says, I run a Jewish newspaper. I saw freedom and loved it. I found the story both heart-wrenching and riveting. I don't care where good stuff comes from. I don't care that Freedom is distributed by a Utah-based Angel Studios, which supports Christian-friendly content, or that the marketing included block sales to churches, or that the star of the film, Jim Caviezel, played Jesus in The Passion of Christ. He says, I care about the two million children who are trafficked every year worldwide. I care that the Department of Homeland Security estimates that child trafficking has an annual global profit of $150 billion more than the illegal arms trade. I care that the U.S. is the number one consumer and producer of child abuse content. He goes on to say the Jewish Journal will continue to track media coverage, will continue to cover the media, the movie, and the cause, and we hope that other media outlets and social justice activists will follow. The millions of abused children who are suffering in silence deserve that we make a lot of noise on their behalf. And I say bingo to that. What an excellent commentary from the Jewish Journal. Why are the media ignoring this? Because they're the ones making it about politics, okay, and faith. They don't like Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel sacrificed to do the film The Passion of the Christ and went through a heck of a lot in terms to maintain himself as an actor because he was ignored and panned by the media for that role greatly attacked. I know that I interviewed him on that and I talked to him about it extensively. We actually had him on one of our pilgrimages many years ago, shortly after the movie came out and we had a real heart to heart conversation. But I told him, I said, I know that you've suffered, but you were born to play that role. And he agreed. And he said this, this movie actually, in the interviews that he did with Raymond, both on Fox and on the world over, he said this movie he thinks is just as important, uh, the, the next important film, you know, than the passion of the Christ, his second most important film that he's ever done in his career. So I think the reason the media are ignoring this is because it points to one of the problems causing 
this problem of trafficking. And that is the open borders policy of this administration. Now, it's not the only reason that trafficking is, is so huge, but it is addressed in this film in terms of the open borders and that so many children coming across the border are actually trafficked. And so heaven forbid we should paint any kind of a negative light or a questionable light on what's going on at the border because it might impact this administration and we certainly can't have that. Not to mention the fact again that it is starring a very, very strong Catholic Christian man, which the media in general are not fond of, and they just don't want to go there. And yet, what happens? Here's Hollywood telling us, no, this is the movie you need to watch, as in the Indiana Jones movie, which apparently has a real woke agenda as well. Even though their films have flopped with these woke agendas, they just refuse to look themselves in the mirror and to look at this film, to look at the numbers and say, hmm, hmm. Maybe we're missing something. Maybe we're out of touch. So those are the reasons that I think, in addition to what this writer from the Jewish Journal said about the movie Sound of Freedom as to why it's being ignored, why there's a basically a secular media blackout on the film. So if you want to light a candle in the darkness and stand up against a culture, we've been doing a lot of that lately. This ties into what we were talking about, right, with elections and Supreme Court decisions that we just discussed with Aaron Mercino. So crucial to actually take action. This is something that we can control in terms of what we do with our dollars, just like we showed to the negative, right, with Bud Light and with Target in terms of these outlets shoving things in our face, these stores shoving things in our face, these companies, and us saying no to it peacefully, but strongly not supporting it. Now we have something to support, something good to make a real difference in the culture. So if you haven't seen the film yet, try to get a ticket and maybe buy one for someone else. Information available at angel.com. We'll be right back on a Friday. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my Momfidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN and the Ave Maria Radio Networks. Find us both online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. In addition to the archives, you'll find daily at the archives section of AveMariaRadio.net. I always want to encourage you for news and views from a truly Catholic perspective, please visit our news sources. It's so important to make sure that you are seeing things through the lens, as Al Cresta always says, of Scripture and the teachings of the Catholic Church. So how do you do that? Well, my faves, Catholic News Agency, I use them every day, catholicnewsagency.com, the National Catholic Register, ncregister.com. And then, of course, there are great programs here on the EWTN network that help you take a look at the news, again, through a Catholic perspective. You have The World Over with News Director Raymond Arroyo. You have EWTN News Nightly every single night covering all the stories. In the U.S. and around the world, you have In-Depth. It's a relatively new program looking at issues in-depth from the news perspective. So just to keep that in mind, when you see something out there in the news or in the world and you're troubled by it, come to us. We've got the resources. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.